This is episode 183 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. And this is going to be a great episode because we're going to tackle the challenging subject of bullying. In fact, this is going to kick off the first of a three-part series talking about this subject. In case you didn't know, October has been deemed National Bullying Prevention Month. And I kind of feel weird about that because we deal with bullying behavior basically any time of the year, right? And if we're honest, the adults that grow up to gaslight and target people and capitalize on people's weaknesses, good chance that they dealt with this very same thing when they're a child. How can we help our kids through this? How can we understand it better? Well, I'm bringing in a couple of amazing guests to help me talk about this topic. They are doing incredible things to help fight bullying. I can't wait for you to hear all about it. So let's get started. This is the podcast where you learn how to build stronger connections and have better conversations using the solution-focused approach. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a solution-focused life coach, and each week we learn new strategies so that we can build our families strong and be the person that we were always meant to be. You can learn more about our products and services by going to thefocusedmindset.com or hop over to Amazon to get 30 Days to Higher Hopes. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I have some really cool guests with me today. We're going to be talking to Stephanie Fletcher and Michelle Myers. And they, I met them about a year ago. You guys have heard me talk about them because they do a really cool thing where they help school districts with the problem of bullying. And it's October right now. We know we're talking a lot about how to help kids with bullying, but it's a 24-7 situation. And so I brought the two of you guys on to help us out with this subject. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank Thank you for having us. I'm I'm all excited to have you guys here. It's like, wow, this is so cool. (laughs) It's been like a year coming. I've been in like, what, three, two trainings, and then we spoke at a conference together, right? Yeah. It's been a lot of time we've talked, and it wasn't until I was sitting in my training in my school district, and then at the break, I came up to you guys, right? And I'm like, hey. (laughs) I am a fan of yours, right? <laughs> you did. <laughs> and then we just kind of put all the pieces together because I had talked to you, talked about you guys to my friend, Dr. Linda Medcalf, and now you guys are doing some work with her as well. Um, the subject of bullying is a serious one. We deal mm-hmm. with it all the time. but be- And we're going to talk about this in many different facets, kind of how you guys can decipher what is bullying, what's not, whether you're talking to your child, whether you're talking to your student. Uh, Let's dive into a little bit of what to say to kids and why it's important to talk that way. And then just a little bit about how to encourage our kids to look at a new narrative. But first, how in the world, I mean, you guys will have to take turns. Um, How in the world did you guys come about this and why are you so passionate about bullying? I'm thinking about... um my graduate program. So the author and inventor of this playful approach that you're talking about, um, he was my professor. 
in grad school. And so what I was introduced to as a grad student was this whole paradigm of narrative counseling. And I know it's a sister, um, like cousin to solution focus that's under the same paradigm. And I just, I fell in love with the entire mindset, the entire approach to counseling. And so, yeah, I know right now in our position, we're really hyper-focused on bullying, but I was originally, I was trained using narrative counseling for all types of problems and then playful approaches for a variety of different issues. So whether it was grief and loss or it was conflicts or bullying or um, social skills or just whatever it was, that's what I became passionate about. And so I used I used that type of counseling, that type of lens the entire time I was at a school site. So I was at a school site for seven years. So you were counseling at yeah. that school site and you were just kind of saying, you know what, I'm, it's, it's working. I'm going to use this. Yes. I'm keep using it. So yeah. I was using narrative <laughs> for everything. Like anything yeah. that was brought to counseling, it was a narrative lens. And so that's what I did as a school counselor for several years. And then um, half of the time, this is my 18th year in the school district. So then um, what is it? 10 years ago, I was invited to the district office to be a program specialist to help grow restorative practices using the same narrative lens, again, for a variety of problems. And then so we did that for several years, piloted it in a few schools, and then they had the same success that I did at the school site when I was a counselor. And then I met Stephanie um, like halfway through my time as a program specialist, and then she came and joined our team. And then we started working together for all um, tier two and tier three interventions. But again, a range of interventions, like like for behavior, for harm, for bullying. I mean, just like a variety of like PBIS and yeah. restorative justice. They went to our department and asked, okay, who are the experts on bullying here? Who's responsible for the bullying committee? who does the trainings on bullying. And they said, oh, that's Michelle and Stephanie. So then they said, okay, we're moving them to Dr. Baikandova's department and that's going to be the bullying team. So, I mean, I think that a lot of people probably don't realize how much energy that we put as educators into this subject of bullying. I mean, if you just listen to that whole story, I mean, under people are like, oh, Nothing's happening about bullying. Honestly, it's a subject that's talked about a lot. It and the is. districts care about it. We're always looking for ways to go about it. We're always looking for how to teach these kids how to not be a bully. And what I love about this and what we're going to talk about is that this isn't really so much about teaching about bullying. It's like what you said. It's about rewriting the narrative about it altogether yeah. so the kids can change their environment, so they can make a change. And I love that. And and why, Stephanie, did you feel passionate enough to like change up what you were doing? I mean, what were you doing first? And then what are you doing now? Tell me a little bit about where you're at. Okay. So I have been in San Bernardino since 2008, and I was a high school counselor. And then I was an elementary school counselor. And my background was solution-focused. So I have a solution-focused um, foundation. And as Michelle said... Um, we met seven years ago, I became a program specialist alongside Michelle, and then 
learning about the undercover anti-bullying teams, the interventions that we have for for bullying, as well as training on um, just all of the different behaviors and and harms that that kids have, and and that was. That was like just an amazing uh, experience for me because mm-hmm. uh, I was bullied when I was little and I didn't have that intervention that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know who to talk to. I was, it was pretty shameful. Like I felt like um, it was a secret that I had to keep because it didn't fit who I was. And I, realize now as an adult how how um, power is so fluid that that really rings true to me because that was kind of like a situation that I was in in the sixth grade. That all came together with you in your head like as an adult yeah. thinking, I, I can do something about this right yeah. now, right? Did you ever have that moment yes. where you were like... And, and I look back thinking, wow, this would have been like a really great transformational intervention to have. Uh, and, and that is why I am so passionate about teaching it to educators, letting, um, building capacity of counselors and support staff, sharing it in other school districts, because it is a definite shift of um, our thinking in how we handle and respond to bullying. That is that, it's not cut off somebody's ear and, and, you know, get retribution. It is like, how can we really help students understand and empathize with what's happening and, and understand their actions so that we can change Mm -hmm. and help a kid have a better experience in school. So that's like, it's really close to my heart. And I, I'm like, feel really blessed to be able to do this every single day. For sure. You know, I, and many of you guys might not know about San Bernardino, (laughs) if you're from other states and wherever you listen, and all of you have areas like this in your states, in your cities, where San Bernardino is known to have a lot of conflict, a lot of racial tension, a lot of diverse diversity that can end up being a real problem. There's been times when San Bernardino is the forefront of our news talking about some type of, uh, I don't know, gang violence, all this kind of stuff. It is a rough area. And when I think it's one thing in our area that people perk up when they say, wait a minute, they're attacking bullying in San Bernardino. Now you guys might not know, I lived in San Bernardino through my eighth, ninth and 10th grade year, part of my 10th grade year. I went to, uh, I forget the middle school I started at, um, but I was definitely one of the only people that have white skin. I'll tell you that much. And I walked in going like, head down, don't talk to anybody, don't make any waves. And that's how I'm going to get through this situation. And then I went to Cajon High School. And at in at Cajon High School, there were regular lockdowns for different, for, for possible riots. And it was always huge tension. It was always uh, on the brink of like, you know, is there going to be a fight today? Is there not going to be a fight today? And I loved my time there. But on the under, there was always kind of like a little stirring of like, what? What's going to happen today? And I don't know. That was, hey, I've been in education for 20 years. So that was a ways back. But 
you know, I just wanted to give a little bit of the background where you guys are not just like sitting here in an area where like, oh yeah, well, we've been working on this for a while. Mm -hmm. You guys get some serious situations, don't you? Very serious problems is like, and what you described, I I think many of our school um, schools are experiencing the same thing now. Um, and I'm sure you weren't in middle school and high school that long ago, but um, <laughs> I think it's it's very true. Sadly, yes, we do get a lot of pu- publicity for those kinds of um, things about the crime and and how unsafe it is, or just um, a lot of harm that's happening to our community and to our family. So yes, we do have very serious problems. It's not um, by any means like we're dealing with situations that are really minor or, or just yeah. like simple or easy. But then we turn the corner to be able to see that you guys are actually on the forefront of some of the most amazing ways to deal with bullying that I have ever seen in education. And I feel like it is exactly what we need, no matter where we live, no matter where we are. But it just lends to your credibility. When you guys go into a bullying situation, it's serious. It can be be life-threatening in some situations. And that's why it's so powerful. Because the research that you guys have based on working in the area that you have, to me, is staggering. So you guys have used... The narrative therapy uh, approach somewhat and also solution focused and just being uh, centered on the child to find a way to uh, approach bullying differently. And this is going to be hard for you to do, but maybe you've done it. In a nutshell, what is different about you guys' approach compared to other approaches to bullying? I think what makes this approach very unique um, well, there's there's multiple things that make it unique. One, it's non-pathologizing. Um, so we don't view um, the kids as the problem. We don't view the situation as, okay, let's identify the victim because that's they are a problem within themselves. They need some skill development. We need to remediate deficits because they are missing something. And we don't look for and identify, okay, who are the kids that are bullies because those are problematic kids and and they also need some deficit like remediation and and skill development and and help from special people and then look at the bystanders we don't do that we don't identify um kids as as problems we believe the problem is the problem and the problem is the bullying and the problem is not accepting differences like what Stephanie was talking about in her experience when she was younger and just not valuing diversity. So we realize the problem is actually external from the kid and we need to go after that. The other part that makes it really unique is we, um, it's very student centered and it's all built around the kids preferred identities. Mm. So what Stephanie went through was horrific. And then all of those kinds of experiences can be really damaging and it can internalize for a kid and it can shame them into believing that there's something that they, they're not. Mm-hmm. And what we do is we focus on how they want things to be. How do they wish things to be? How do, what do they want to be known for and accepted as? And then, so they have this vision and this hope and then the intervention brings that alive. 
So it's kind of like you give them the space to write a preferred future. Yes. Yes. They have the answer. We, the beauty of it is that we don't, we don't have to tell them this is how things should be. We don't have to tell them this is how people should treat you. They know how they want to be treated. They know how they want to come in and interact with other students. And then they get to decide that as that, that preferred way of being in school. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just really magical. I mean, you guys have been able to sit in front of so many different students and empower them, really. And I think that that's something that we forget, the power of empowering uh, the people that are in the trenches every single day to do the work. I mean, we know that as far as like if someone comes in and tells us how to run our life or run our family or run our business, uh, we'll walk away and go, okay, cool. Thank you very much for your opinion. But if someone puts it on our plate and says, show me how this can work, it's a whole new situation. And we forget that it's the same way with our kids. It's the same way. They, they want to feel empowered. And this quote that you shared is, uh, human beings are happier, more cooperative and productive, and more likely to make positive change in their behavior when those in the position of authority do things with them rather than to them and for them. This is so amazing. Like we should plaster this somewhere all the time. It's long, but <laughs> it is the, uh, the premise of really what we're talking about. You guys are able to say, are we doing things for them or are we doing it with them? What does this, and restore Justin, what does this mean to you, this quote that I just said? For um, us, we think it's really important for us to always go back to this premise, no matter what intervention we're doing, because a lot of times we'll hear school sites and schools and school districts like say, oh yeah, we're implementing restorative justice because they might be sitting in a circle or they might be doing some practice face-to-face, but it doesn't always have the principles present. And so we always have to remind everybody, like make sure whenever you say something's restorative, it truly is. So for us, just like what you said, are we doing things with students or are we saying we are the expert? Like I got my master's degree. I went through school. I was trained in in how to be a counselor. And so I'm going to tell you what to do and 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 how to live your life like what Stephanie was saying like this is how you should be treated and this should be your preferred future. We don't do that. We are the experts on the process and being curious and asking questions, but we truly believe that the kids are the experts. Mm-hmm. And we believe that the kids in the community are are have a, have expertise. The kids that are getting bullied have an expertise. The kids that are doing the bullying also carry an expertise. And we are curious about how together we can invite a different um, story and create a new narrative. So now we're shifting from this bullying relationship and this victim bully bystander kind of traditional story. We're shifting that to this is how I want to be treated. And, and then we invite the kids in the community to take up responsibility to create that to happen. But, but Stephanie and I, and the counselors that we, we work alongside, we never tell them what that looks like and what it should look like. So every, every intervention looks different. Every outcome, every story, every narrative at the end is a different narrative and their wish is always different. Um, 
but the outcome, what, what is consistent is we work towards every wish in the same way where okay. we invite the community. Yeah. Because, and do they actually feel like you as an adult is working or are actually working with them? I mean, it, do you kind of, when do you get oh. that sense where they're like, wait a minute, they're on the same page as me here or you know, because at the beginning, it's like, who are these people coming in? You know, like, yeah. do they, how does that even happen that they see a difference is saying, hey, these people really care about me and my story and they're working with me. How does that happen? Well, when we first meet with students, we always, we always have the restorative questions. What happened? How did this affect you? What do you need to make things right? And, and we elongate those questions, we enhance them, but those are like the, the main, the skeleton of our, of our conversation with students. And often Mm -hmm. when we're having those conversations, students say, this is the first time that I feel listened to. This is the Mm -hmm. first time that anybody has maybe asked me what, what has even been happening. Um, or this is the first time that I've ever been able to share my story and just having asked what happened can, can be that connection with students and and you have that connection. And so that's, that's where, that's really where it all starts is how Michelle said earlier, like we're really curious and we're interested in, in what they have to say because it's their perception of what is going on and how they're experiencing things at school. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't that, it's like honoring their, seeing it through their lens and mm-hmm. honoring that that's their truth. You mm-hmm. know, I think that a lot of the mistakes we make as adults is we do try and push our narrative on the kids. I think we do try and say, oh, no, that's not really the way it was. Oh, oh, are you sure that's the way it was? And it's hard, but so easy when you start doing it to step back and say, you know, I'm just going to 100% take a minute to allow myself to see it through this person's eyes. And that changes everything, yeah. you know, because then we have real empathy at the end of the day. Um, but let's take a step back. How is it? I mean, I know I've, I've come across this all the time as a counselor. How in the world can we even tell if a situation is bullying? Because I feel like I am always, I I get stopped right there. You know, I get stopped because I get an email and a parent saying my kid is, you know, bullied or a kid comes in. Well, they're definitely bullying me. And then I'm like, well, is it actually bullying? Because you it seems like you guys are getting along great and they just said something mean to you. Like that's not, you know, so how do you guys get us on the same page at the very beginning to make sure that we know what we're talking about when we're talking about bullying? Yeah. So we use um, a little bit of a morbid acronym called RIP, but (laughs) it really helps us remember um, those three aspects of RIP are repeated or pervasive intentional and impactful, and then power imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of those pieces have to be um, present for it to be bullying. And we just really make sure that we go through with educators, with parents, 
what does repeated or pervasive mean? And what does intentional and impactful mean? And what does the power imbalance mean? So the R in is repeated. It happens over and over again. But also there's a pervasiveness that it could also be, which is mm. like it happens. It could be one event, but it's so profound. It becomes this it becomes bullying based yeah. on one particular event. And we often see that in in social media. A, a mm. single post can can be um, put up and published. And then there's, you know, share, likes, shares, comments, and it's all over the place. And then we also see it in school-based bullying where students, um, we've had situations where kids get pantsed, where they're, they're, um, a kid will pull pants down and mm-hmm. it's highly, highly embarrassing and it's very not public back from something like that. Right. No. And right. I mean, it's just, it could be that just that one time, but mm-hmm. enough people see it, enough people make jokes, make fun. Um, it is, that's so pervasive. It's that one event that is now mm-hmm. is bullying. And then that I is intentional and impactful. That's, um, you know, kids, kids mean to be mean. They mean they, they know that they're, they're intending to be mean or cause harm. And, but we're really also looking at the impact of the student who is getting bullied. How is it impacting their life in all areas where it's, with their friends, in school, with their family, um, in extracurricular activities. And often we find that kids who are getting bullied, it's the impact of it is really large. And um, it's just across the board. And then that power imbalance, um, we see that power is really fluid. Like I talked before about my experience, um, you can have power one day and then none the next and it could be social power, physical power, intellectual power. And that's really what we, Michelle and I, when we go out to school sites, that's what we're, we really get into the nitty gritty with. Because often we don't know the students who mm-hmm. we're speaking with and when we're walking alongside their counselors. And they know, they have the relationship with all of the students. So they can say, yeah, this kid has absolutely no power. Or there's a fair match of power. Um, so we really rely heavily on our school site staff to know uh, their their kids and their students and to have really yeah. just like those relationships. And, and that will help us assess whether or not a situation is bullying because we're looking for those three things in RIP. Yeah. And I, I'm, I like it that you just put it out there in a way that you can remember because, um, I, I sometimes will have to go back to that RIP since I even learned about it where I'll be like, is it repeated? You know, is it pervasive? Is it, is it, is there a power struggle? Is Mm -hmm. it intentional? You know, and then it helps me to always remember because I know that even, um, a lot of parents have, they want to be empathetic to their child, but they go really quick to bullying and it can be a good practice to just kind of sit down and have a conversation and have that playing in your mind to figure that out. And we're going to pause right there and continue this important conversation in episode 184. But 
it is so important, isn't it, that we honor the children's voice. It's important when we're talking to our friend, our sisters, our brothers, our our spouses, to say, I want to see this through their lens. It could be about something as serious as bullying, but it could be as important as their view of how things are going at their work or how things are going inside their mind. I think that this is the very first step to us connecting with people on a whole new level when we say, I am willing to listen to your story. And that really touched me about this part of the conversation. Next, we're going to go into some very important steps. We're going to continue with this talk about the questions that we can ask that make a huge difference. You're not going to want to miss um, what we go into. We just kind of travel forward in this conversation so quickly, and I love it. Now, there is one more order of business. I want each and every one of you to know how you can find Stephanie and Michelle because they have expanded their reach. They move outside of their district, outside of California to provide amazing training for really any district or group of people that work with kids. If they want to handle bullying in a brand new state of the art, forward thinking, solution focused manner. So I want you to find out how to get a hold of them. And we're just going to cut right back to them so they can share with you that important information. Yeah, they can go to www.eliminatebullying.com and they can also email me or Michelle. My email address is restorativestephanie.fletcher at gmail.com. And Michelle, do you want to give your email? Sure. Um, It's restorativemichellemyers at gmail.com. So you can email both of us if you want more information. And um, But please do go to the website because it has information about our upcoming workshop in February. And if you go to the website, you can also get access to a free um, resource, a free tool that shows the difference between what bullying is and what it's not, what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Eliminatebullying.com. Before you go, don't forget to check the show notes where I'm going to leave the links to my social media and the different places you can find me. And I want to invite you to be a part of my email community. It's absolutely free. And this year I'm doing so much writing and so much reflecting, and I want to send things directly to you. I send the special notes to my email community and you can email me right back. You have a direct line to ask me questions without any barriers of a website or anything. Check the show notes for that link or go to thefocusedmindset.com. And if you click on getting the journal prompts, you also automatically are able to be a part of my community. And if you're interested in supporting this program, there's three ways to do it. One, make sure you're following this program so it comes up as one of your favorites. Two, share it either on your social media or with someone you love straight to their email. And the third is to leave a review. And I love reading those. By supporting this program, we're helping people be solution-focused. See you next week.